Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway in Portland, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., currently on Zoom and broadcast live on Facebook. Visit our website at hopegateway.com to learn more. Whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Don Rudlevich, one of the multitude of clergy attached to Hope Gateway. He, him. And um, thank you, Erica, for doing the sermon this morning. This morning is the last Sunday of Eastertide. Next Sunday is Pentecost, as I'm sure will be advertised in a few moments. Yeah. And um, the point of this is that it is the last of the resurrection, post-resurrection series. And I think it's very appropriate that we're doing it with John 21, second half of John 21, because John 21 is really an outlier. It stands alone, and yet it is part of the rest of the gospel. John 1 to 20, and this is not just academic, by the way. I, I, I have a point. John 1 to 20 is John's attempt to convince us, to persuade the world that this Jesus really is who he says he is, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, that he is the God for the whole world, not just for a select band. Chapter 21 which many have called an, an epilogue, because the book ends at chapter 20. It says it's all over. Chapter 21, I would suggest, is not an epilogue, but a prologue, because it's John's way of saying, here is how you should be in the world. Having been convinced of who Jesus is, here is your opportunity to live that out. And that's why you have the disciples going out fishing, because what are they fishing for? They're fishing for other human beings. They're fishing to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So, hear that with, with that ear, what am I supposed to be? And then there's a second ear. The gospel is written around 80 AD. That's 50 years after the crucifixion resurrection. It is time for the church to begin organizing itself. And that organization has begun already to institutionalize. In Rome, there is, there is a creed developing, which becomes the old Roman creed. And in a couple hundred years, it'll be known as the Apostles' Creed. There are already people being excluded because they don't believe quite the same way. They don't have the same insights as the original disciples or, or the successors had. And of course, those original disciples are mostly dead. What is the church going to be? Is it going to be an institution? Or is it going to be a movement? John has very definite ideas about that. And so let's hear John 21 uh, from the 15th chapter to the end of the prologue. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, 
Simon, John, son of John, do you love me more than all else? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then feed my lambs. A second time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then tend my sheep. A third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that he asked him a third time, do you love me? Lord, he said, you know everything. You know I love you. Feed my sheep. There are different words used for love. Agape is the word that Jesus uses the first two times. Philia is the word that Peter uses all three times. And we'll say more about that later, if there's time. Further, I tell you, in this in very truth. When you were young, you fastened your belt about you and you walked where you chose. But when you are old, you will stretch out your arms and a stranger will bind you fast and carry you where you have no wish to go. He said this to indicate the manner of death by which Peter was to glorify God. Then he added, follow me. Peter looked round and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following. The one who at supper had leaned back close to him to ask the question, Lord, who is it that will betray you? When he caught sight of him, Peter said, Lord, what about him? Jesus said, if it should be my will that he wait until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. That saying of Jesus became current in the fellowship and was taken to mean that, the, that that disciple would not die. But in fact, Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if it should be my will that he wait until I come, what is it to you? It is that same t disciple who attests what has been written. It is in fact he who wrote it, and we know that his testimony is true. There is much else that Jesus did if it were all to be recorded in detail, I suppose the whole world would not be able to read all that was hold all that was written. Thus endeth the reading. Grace and peace be yours from the risen Christ. John is writing in 80 AD, 50 years after the foundation of the church, in the coming of Pentecost. The disciples and many other people expected Jesus to return physically and to be with them, and that that would signify the coming of the new age. Now, I suggest, I don't know what Sarah's going to say next week, but I suggest that at Pentecost, we had the second coming, and they all missed it. They all missed it because it wasn't coming in the way they expected. And John is telling us, what it's like in, the, in this story with, with uh, Peter, Jesus and Peter. But let me go to the end first. It's always the best place to start. Uh, always read the end of the book, then you know who did it, and you don't have to worry about anything else. In the ending, John deals with the fact that people are going to die that they're not going to see a physical return. That's what he's trying to say. 
and the church, of course, eventually deals with that. But they don't understand the Pentecost movement as being the actual return. So what, what is it? What is it that John is trying to convey here? He takes Peter and says, Simon, he doesn't say Peter. He doesn't use his church name. He uses his secular name. Simon, do you love me more than anything else? Do you agape me, a deep, passionate conviction? And Peter responds, you know I care deeply for you. Why isn't he able to say agape? Well, I suggest it's because he knows how badly he has failed. Remember that this is the same arrogant Peter who said, oh, I'm coming with you. I'll come and die with you. And Jesus said, before the cock crows, you're going to betray me three times. So don't give me that. It's also the same Peter who, having eaten with Cornelius, led by God to sit down with a Gentile and eat, then is chided by Paul because he refuses to sit down with other Gentile Christians because the Jewish Christians are upset that they have eaten, they're, they're eating food sacrificed to idols. So Peter knows that he's fallen short. And I know Martin Luther says you should never take comfort from the weakness of the disciples, but boy, I sure do. He falls short, but he is still called by God. What's the, per what's the pervading phrase that is used throughout that chapter? Follow me. Follow me. We are the embodiment of God's spirit. We are the Christ on earth today. Follow me, says Jesus. And we know how pitifully we have done that. We know the ways we have failed. At least I know the ways I've failed. I don't want to guess at yours. I'm not keen on confession myself. But we are called not because we are perfect, but because we are imperfect. If we were all perfect, we would already have made it into whatever passes for heaven. Because we are imperfect, we are still called to follow. And we're called to follow as a community. And that's where we get into the question of whether we're an institution or whether we're a movement. Because institutions, like the early church, set up rules. You can't come in because you don't believe in the Trinity quite in the same way I do. You can't come in, they said to the Syriac church, because you've called the Holy Spirit the feminine principle of God. That's wrong. We have a bumper, great bumper sticker, new bumper sticker. I would rather be excluded for who I include than included for who I exclude. That's the difference between an institution and a movement. And it's the reason, it's the reason that Hope Gateway disaffiliated from the United Methodist Church, that the rules were excluding. Well, we're all sinners, whatever that means. Sinners means, sin means missing the mark in archery. My aim is bad. Well, my aim is bad but I am forgiven. I come as the forgiven child of God. I come with a new start, hopefully every day, 
and, and am perfect in the community because the community is the body of Christ on earth. And what do we do? Jesus is very clear. Feed my sheep, tend my lambs, feed my sheep, follow me. There's nothing more to it than that. That's why all these sermons about love go on about love, because what else can we say? <laughs> do it, do it. Don't be bound up by the creeds and liturgies. They're good, I like them. I, hey, I studied them for far too long. I, no, I do appreciate the creeds because they do give a, an order, a balance. And, and, the, and there are, have to be rules. But I like this that Morris West says in The Heretic. How stand I, measured by the creeds, traditions, the writings of the fathers, acts of all the councils, Nice, Chalcedon, Trent? I do not know. I do not greatly care. No man, prince, peasant, or pope, has all the light. Who says else is a mountebank? I claim no private lean on the truth, only a liberty to seek it. It is that liberty they fear. They want us driven to God like sheep, not running to him like lovers, shouting joy. Let us be God lovers, shouting joy. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. To hear more about Hope Gateway and to discover how together we can do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God, visit our website at hopegateway.com.